Hey y'all, and welcome to We Got Merch 2022 edition. The pod. Bow, bow, bow. That's that's how you want to start it off <laughs> with that noise. The pod where that we cast. That was me. That was like foghorn somewhere. The pod where we cast diagnoses at society, questing towards the trauma hype. I'm your co-host Ryan here with your co-host Mike as usual. Hey everyone, and welcome back to the show. So we're going to chat about the tendency in our society to see trauma and anxiety everywhere we look. Mike doesn't know about what we're talking about till just this moment. Yeah, and we invent what we're talking about. conciliatory merch ideas. At the end, we review the most mer- merch ideas? I don't think that's what that word is. Energetic means. merchandise. Feel free to chime in at 100wegotmerch at gmail.com. The word I'm going for pertains to the topic of the episode, so we'll have to get into but it But isn't that like when you have to like pay someone back for like damages? Yeah, like a consolation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. That's what I meant to say. I mean, it's been a long time since we talked. What what a year. It's been a month since we've seen each other. About. That's crazy. Because we recorded two episodes on the same night, like mid-December maybe, and then you just didn't put them up and didn't put them up and didn't put them up. We wouldn't have been able to record anyway, so. Well, I was just holding on. Maybe if you had put them up earlier, I would have felt a need to rush back. Nah, you love hanging out with your family like a nerd, you know? Yeah. I'm cool. Yeah, yeah, that's true. But wait, what were you just... We were going to talk about the musical you went to see with your mom on New Year's Day. I, I did go see a musical. Oh, okay. Yeah. Speaking cu- of you being I'm cool. a cultured man. I assume... Well, you're where, you know, the Kennedy Center. It's a, it's a, a big prestigious place. Think about the Kennedy Center Honors. It's like the biggest... People are going to be able to narrow down the, where we live. The biggest arts award in, uh, in you know, in the country. Um, uh-huh. And you've never been because you're an uncultured swine, unlike me. Yeah, I haven't been. Who enjoys the finer things. Tragic. A red wine. A play. A red wine. Music. That's part of the finer things, red yes. wine. Yes. I could see it, actually. You don't think red wine's a finer thing? like Than white? Yeah. Definitely than that mixed Because white, like white wine is the wine of trash people. Because white okay. wine is for drunks and okay. lushes who can't handle their liquor. Okay, There's a If bag. you're a classy person, you don't mind a red. You want to know why? A, you can afford good dentistry, so you don't mind the stains. B, you would never stain anything because you're too classy. Okay? There, there goes my computer. There. What is that sound? The, my computer. Dude, that is ruining my there, entire bit. I hate you. What's this episode? There's about? a <laughs> you there's a bag of white wine in my fridge. First of all, and secondly, I also did yeah. have red wine spilled on my previous carpet, but yeah. I still got the security pass back, so it couldn't have been that bad. Um, bag of wine. You're showing what a garbage person you are. Mm-hmm. B, um, you spilt again. Not classy. Yeah. So this. So over the time, the month. Are you sure this part, computer's not going to blow up? Yeah, it's I don't even think like it's crazy. picked up by the months okay. previously. Well, I just want it's to happened before. Know if I get distracted, it's because I think I'm going to die. Okay. Okay. Because the computer would touch you. So, so Ryan, what's this beautiful idea that we're going to make a beautiful piece of merch out of? So, we've been gone from each other for a while, and I just jotted down ideas that I was having. I thought you were going to say, and I just enjoyed every minute of it. I just couldn't I get enough. I did. No, so then I came across this article called The Case Against the Trauma Plot, and it was quite interesting to me, and then I was like, we, we simply must discuss it on the podcast. And fortunately, I haven't had enough opportunity to discuss it with folks yet, so... You're back at it, folks. Yeah, I'm excited. Let's do it. Back at it. Let's talk about trauma. 
Okay. I assume we're talking about a mental and emotional trauma and not physical trauma. Um, yeah, mental and emotional trauma, I believe. Although it could also be physical oh. trauma. Because the so, case against the trauma plot, as this guy talks about it, in this, in, or this person, I don't know, the gender of the author of this article. But the case against the trauma plot essentially goes over the plot in fiction and in movies and novels, etc. But I think that there's broader applications for our society. And that's where I'd like to get at. So this is sort of like an article review, but it's also kind of just an indulgence. What better way to start off 2022 than with one in the tally category of Ryan's indulgences? I can't, I can't imagine a better way. Mike, you don't need to look at your phone as though you're already disdain, <laughs> disdaining me for this topic. I'm not doing that. I promise. I promise everything I do during the podcast is to make the podcast better. Okay, great, great, great. So I'm going to just go through some of the quotes of the article, although I have my own takes that we'll sprinkle throughout this. But they talk about Virginia Woolf right off the bat and famous author whose characters rely on details that are drawn, as Woolf said in this review that she did of uh, like how she writes and the function of primary characters in a novel. She said that the writer draws from her temperament, her time, her country. And an English novelist would portray the woman as an eccentric, warty, and beribboned. A Russian, <laughs> a Russian, a Russian would turn her into an untethered soul wandering the street, asking of life some tremendous question. And then she asks, what would we, how would we depict this primary protagonist? Well, how would we depict this character today? And this is where the trauma plot part comes in. The author says, we'd meet her in profile or bare outline, self-entranced, withholding, giving off a fragrance of unspecified damage. So I guess I just wanted to question, we're going to talk about specific examples in fiction, but I'm wondering how you perceive of trauma today. Well, like, what are your thoughts on trauma? Because well, that is going to be the topic of conversation. Well, what's interesting to me when you... Uh, it comes about that not so much about the trauma just that idea is like well, isn't it mostly like we didn't like trauma wasn't a discussed thing so it wasn't it wasn't a topic that could have been like the man with no name that comes into town or whatever like oh he's got a troubled past or whatever but it's troubled because it's troubled with the law not like he's, mm. and if he's troubled it's some sort of like duty or honor trouble or something it's not like an emotional trouble he's a yeah, he's yeah. a very hardened man who just like she's straight down the line but sometimes he doesn't know whether to kill or not you know or whatever right, right? Yeah. it's not like the the trauma of killing is like the moral trauma of killing like i took mm -hmm. a man's life it's not like and now i wake up and see his face it's like no because i you know what i mean or i don't know if that makes yeah sense. no well well then do you consider that the way that tra that characters are portrayed in fiction has changed over time. Cause wow, you're... what a bold statement. Do you think the way characters have been treated in fiction over time has changed? So yes. I'm guessing that I'm you would go say yes. Hard yes. Well, you're bringing out the... You're eliciting me thinking about like a Western film, yes. for example, where we don't, we don't need to have the total backstory of this character. But I do think we're more comfortable with flashbacks and with backstory and history of a character. Like if the Western was created today, it would probably include like a childhood where 
they were robbed and then they had to go off into the range on their cell by themselves and learn how to prod cattle and shoot bulls. Mm-hmm. I don't know. Does that make sense? Because I do think, like, the reason I'm asking that question is, to me, well, so the I answer don't, is I don't obvious. Think, I don't, but here's the thing is, I don't think that there are, um, I don't think it's so much in the way they, they, that they tell stories, because I think there's plenty of stories where it's just insert generic guy with no backstory, and they don't set up the trauma, and then you later, it's him sitting, and say, we're like, Oh, what really bothered me is like, and you know, it would have been what really bothered me is that I had to kill so many men when I saved those children. And nowadays it's mm. what really kills me is the one kid I couldn't save and I stay up every night and I cry because now I cry. Or whatever. You know what I mean? But like, mm. like it's like the same beats. The beats are the same. I, like, yeah. Well, I my point basically is that I do think we're sort of living in this age that's obsessed with trauma. I don't know, but I don't know if you're. I think we're in this age that's obsessed with drama. (laughs) (laughs) But you know what I mean. I I do think that there's a lot of that we we are more interested in talking about jokes. It's very upsetting. (laughs) Yeah, I know. I'm I'm moving on with my life. No, I I feel like we we're really more we're much more prone to talk about anxiety and trauma and our internal dramas that are going on. And I feel as though that's influencing our world and our society. And I don't think it's bad, but it's sort of interesting to hear a case against trauma, basically, as a narrative structure. And then I think that there are parallels to how we live our own lives, essentially. Yes? Thoughts? You look yeah, I think contemplative. we potentially have a classic... Uh, we got merch situation of mm-hmm. me going, what's Brian getting at here? Oh, God, not one of those. <laughs> um, well, so basically, I think... Patent pending. The, what I told... what I told The reason why I brought this up partially was because I had a conversation with my sister over break, and she asked me some question, like some analysis of, of, of a, uh, a common acquaintance of ours, about their internal life or what I thought was going on. Like, oh, what do you think is up with this person? And I think that there's a way in which this sounds bad. So I'm, the, uh, I'm you, speaking you tentatively. You've transitioned from the bumpkin to now you're going to be an elitist. You just, whatever you need to be in any situation. I think, I think I've never a, been to the Kennedy Center, but look at these plebs. I feel like there's a way in which people can buy into the, the hype of, of a story. Like people can buy into their own hype. Yeah about a problem that they're facing and an example that just got brought up with a friend of mine yesterday was her sister's husband was late too many times to meetings at work and got fired and and this guy the husband has adhd he takes medication for it he gets high to try to like calm down his anxiety etc etc yeah, he's a huge drug addict, waste of society's resources probably, and space. He, was probably late he should be in prison for he was, life. He was given blowjobs. <laughs> Not only should he be fired. <laughs> no, but I do think that there uh, there's moments with this with this couple that I've interacted with before where, where you were we've like, been trying to like go such somewhere. A normal couple who knew they had that super problem at home. <laughs> no, no, we've been trying to go somewhere and they're just super late and they're like, "Oh, sorry, we're two hours late. We just like we have ADHD." Dropped our hair and their needles. <laughs> <laughs> no, they'll they'll reference their ADHD or how they're easily distracted or whatever. And I do think, on one hand, 
it's totally it totally makes sense and people face their own difficulties and challenges and overcoming those is a lifelong battle etc blah 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 right but on the other hand my question to you then is like okay in your contract for work do you have to write do you need to have it in writing that you need to be late to 10 meetings out of the year because you because of whatever circumstances are going on in your life you just can't attend meetings on time is that what you're saying or is it something that's partially under your control and i were i worry or i think that we are presented with concepts and then we pick those up and utilize them to explain our emotions and what we're doing and when you have there's some that we can like overbuy into and I feel like trauma might be one of those, or anxiety might be one so of those. So here's my problem with this yeah. guy, who okay. I don't know anything about. Okay, only great. The then we'll get back of, to the article. Only the basis of information of what you told me. Here's my question. So he's like the 10 meetings. He's like, yeah, sure. let's say, let's for, just say, for the sake of this argument, because of this problem. Hopefully he never hears because this. Because of this problem he has. Yeah, whatever like, it is. Like he missed, it could also be he's just busy, but, but, maybe I, he's I, I, driving I, I, somewhere, I, I, I don't just, know. I'm just going to set up just for the sake of anything. Because you're like, do people need to write it down or so here's what would be my question: Is if he missed, if he was late ten times mm -hmm. because of this thing, like whatever it was, let's just say it was ten times. Yeah. Was he, and it's always like an hour or whatever, right? Is he an hour early to every single other meeting? Because mm. then I'm going, okay, he was trying. But if it's like he's right on time every time, mm -hmm. and then he's late when this happens, I'm like. All right, bro, at some point, after 10 times, you know what? Just get up an hour earlier every day and see what happens. Like, do you know what I mean? I yeah. don't know, like. No, I, and I think that that's part of it, too. I don't just mean to call him out because I feel no, like I'm these. I'm just saying that situation. Like, yeah, yeah no, those, I agree. those are the things where. It's kind of the question well, As of... we get to this point, I think maybe this is where we're going, of, like, people characterizing their lives in terms of these traumas they've had. Yeah. I think people's attempt whether people are trying to overcome those traumas says a lot to me about how much of a trauma that actually was versus like just an excuse like because if this guy's just like yeah sometimes i'm late i'm like mm -hmm. what are you doing about it i don't know sometimes i get late it's like i don't yeah i don't know what trauma that is that you, well, you're late all the time do you know what i mean like i don't yeah I think I, that it's not no, just... On, obviously, this guy, but this is the example we have now. Yeah, trauma <laughs> is the example we're using, but right, like to stick with this before we move back to the article or to this like academic time kind of thing, I think it's also something we've talked about before where like you can be the funny guy at a party or you can be like the jokester or you can be the lazy one in your family or whatever. I think that there's these ways in which people buy into... Like people have this concept of each other or themselves and then they use that concept to explain what's happening to them. Right. So I think for us, we've said this before where it's like, or it recently came up where, oh, we're like the chatty talkative ones at a party or something. It's like, oh, well, we can invite this person and they'll try to make it fun because yeah. that's something that they do. And then we use that to explain ourselves. It's sort of a performance that we're enacting or that we're familiar uh, with. And we're drink, obviously. Embodying. Definitely drink when I say <laughs> performance. performance. In the, that way. So I started the 2020 bingo card quick. Well, but also... I was I had to do some background research for this and I listened to an old podcast that I had previously heard and Lisa Feldman Barrett is you can look her up if you want to. She's a psychologist she or something, canceled. right? And she has this theory that we just it's talking um she has a book called How We Create Emotions or something to that effect. And excuse me. And she talks about that we don't 
emotions don't just happen to us. We invent them. They're not just like external stimulus that are created from nothing. We, um, mm. we, sorry, we just don't invent emotions. We have like a sensation or a reaction to something. And then we look for a concept to explain that to ourselves. So the example she uses is she is, or I think it was another example from someone else, but no, she went in to see a doctor because she was really tired and lethargic. And he said, oh, it's depression. And she goes, she's a doctor. So she goes, I'm not depressed. You need to look up the clinical di uh, diagnosis for depression because I don't have it. And you're wrong. You see me as a set of symptoms and you're presenting me with a diagnosis of depression because that's like the mental concept that he has to work with or that's the one that he's utilizing, right? But it turns out that really she was going through menopause. So she was dealing with her set of symptoms applied to something else and the doctor wasn't able to properly diagnose her, right? Another example I heard from- So, so just for clear. Yeah. The bad doctor. Continue. <laughs> like, yeah, like, sure, sure. Um, but another example I heard, which I use more frequently when I describe this concept, is there was an author who was on a date with someone, and she thought it was kind of like not going so great. But then midway through, she was kind of getting more into it. Her stomach was, um, she had like felt butterflies in her stomach. She was flush. She was feeling some symptoms of attraction and being like on a good date. Turns out food poisoning. Right. But what happened to her in that moment was she said, oh, to herself, oh, I must have been wrong. Like this. Maybe this is a good date. Maybe things are clicking. Maybe he is funnier than I think he is. Maybe I am more attracted to him than I think I am. And that was like because that's the, a mental concept that was laying around for her that she utilized to explain what she was feeling, like her sensations in her body. And I think that this is sort of um, it. I guess it's interesting to me to think about our lives when we seek to explain how we're feeling about something, we we pick up what's lying around us to use as an explanation. And, comma, in our society, I think today, we're really comfortable and familiar with talking about anxiety and trauma. Not, not everyone, of course, but I think it's more culturally acceptable where people will bring it up as an explanation for their own and your life. Mm -hmm. You follow? Have you been in conversations where people are like, well, trauma? I have, like, no, I know. plenty. No, I've never been in a conversation where I'd ask for an explanation and someone had said trauma. Oh, okay. I, again, to, to reiterate, I have been in plenty of situations where someone has said drama, but I've never uh -huh. been in situations where anyone says trauma. Yeah, well, but do you know what I'm... Do you get what I'm like, saying I, I, here I, I understand the concept that you're expressing. Yeah. I, I don't... I don't think you're not super down. I don't it. think my stomach is butterfly, and I think I'm having a good date equals an emotion. Like I don't, I don't know. I don't. I, no, it's not that it. it's an emotion. It's that they're called. She calls them mental concepts, but it's that you have a sensation. Like it's not just that you're happy or you're sad. You have sensations that, or a reaction to something, and when you have a reaction to something. Maybe you're like surprised or maybe you're ashamed, but instead of shame, you might resort to anger. So that's something I feel like with um, this, I wasn't expecting to bring this up as a uh, example, but when I think when people- That's just deflection. That's not- it's, it's No, when people are like corrected on pronouns, for example, a working theory of mine is that when someone says like, oh, actually these are my pronouns or whatever, people feel this like kind of sense of shame around it or this correction that they maybe should have known or they're being- no, I don't corrected. think that's what it is. 
And then what results is anger because there's a more pro- prominent narrative that conservatives will have or something where it's like, why can't I just call you dude or ma'am, right? And anyways. I know dude was a pronoun. but Dude is a pronoun. <laughs> ma'am and dudes are the only pronouns I know. <laughs> Anyway, offensive to me, but I know. Well, do you know what I'm saying or no? No. Okay, well. Because I think. I know. You might disagree, but we'll be moving on. Yes. We'll move on if you disagree. It's going to get pedantic. But not if you don't get it. It's going to get pedantic. Great. So we're not, we won't do it. We won't get into the concept of what an emotion is versus feeling versus thought. Okay, we'll just. Yeah. We'll just move on. Okay. We'll move on. I think it's just. Right, we've already decided this is your indulgent episode. <laughs> it's fine. I agree. Whatever. Anyway, okay, yes. So back to the trauma part. I think that there's these examples of flashbacks are brought up as something that re- displays trauma. And when I was thinking about it, I was like, oh, it's like with the arrow. With arrow, not the arrow, or the flash. But or with the arrow. Green, the green arrow. Yeah, like green arrow show. Almost half of the show is traumatic flashbacks or just like flashbacks that display how he got to be this like rugged well, I mean, archer they ended up assassin going seven guy. seasons and after the fifth season they actually started being flash forwards and mm. you could consider that actually looking back on the series in total he's still kind of going through trauma even when he returns to star city now mm-hmm. a lot of people think that show was just a lot of melodrama you know and that like the effects and stuff got a lot worse as it went on and that was true uh-huh great so yeah, but I do think, like another thing with flashbacks, I was also considering Wicked or Maleficent or Cruella. I just watched Cruella over a break with my family, and that's sort of just its own. All of these stories that are like, let's look at villains back in the day and tell their side of the story is this sort of emblem to me of how people I, want to revisit a character through their traumatic backstory I don't, to explain like what's happening with them. All right, so I'm going to try and play along in okay. this this world. So I'm going to say some things I probably don't agree with. Okay, great. That's but, what I'd love for you to do. <laughs> uh, but so from that concept, obviously the idea of... Um, of villains then become like humanizing villains with the idea of tragedy becomes possible because you wouldn't have been able to do that before the idea of like like good people were always like you know we talk about the classic hero they were always trying to do the best they were always like trying like maybe they're hurt about the time they failed but they were still trying so like the bad guys always have to try to be do do bad for like just because they're bad so once we understand oh this nuance then you can nuance your villains and mm-hmm. so that's i think what you're seeing there yeah. And now, closer to what I actually believe, but still sticking to yours, is I could say, well, potentially we're just here uh, using trauma as a monetization tool because you can't mm-hmm. really make ongoing series and things like that without and out villains. So mm-hmm. what if you can use the, uh, the idea of trauma to uh, change your Boba Fetts, change your uh, Cruella DeVille's and mm-hmm. your Lokis into like, into these characters that you can have in other stories and sell merchandise, right? You mm-hmm. just you have a good, you have a villain, you kill him off. What are you gonna do? Let's make him a good guy, and then there's more stories and more money. Yeah. If, if you so mo- they're monetize the big corporate entities are monetizing people's real traumas. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. Well, I think people trauma is just one of those concepts that's laying around 
more prominently today, I think, than in the past. Like, I remember my grandma, as well as anxiety. I feel like anxiety might also fit this bill really well. But I remember my grandma talking one time about how, like, people need safe spaces now and people have all this anxiety. But back in her day, they just got back to work on the farm. There wasn't any of this, like... Back in her day, your husband just beat you and you shut up (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I mean... (laughs) Like, back in that, like, the greatest generation, yeah, that, like... There's there's a good like King of the Hill about it. I'm sure there's been other stuff about it, but like I always think about that like when then like you know the Vietnam guys came back and they were all like man mm-hmm. that sucked and everyone's like you you fucking whippersnapper we 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 it's like dude you guys came back from World War Two and just got like fucking ripped drunk and like beat your wives and shit for like 20 years afterwards like do you know what I mean like let's not like. Yeah, yeah. Let's not play. It. No, totally, and that's Europe, why like... I feel like the the frustrating part of this conversation comes when people say some people insinuate that we invented anxiety, like millennials invent invented anxiety or trauma or something. And yeah. my grandma, I would say, is not a person who would uh, utilize the cons the me- mental concept of anxiety or trauma to describe her own life. Yeah. But in a way, I feel. It's possible that's that I'm that saying. shields her that's why from dis- thinking of herself as anxious. But that's but that's why I think I disagreed with that thing they were you were saying earlier about that being the emotion because it's it's not the emotion that, that's like the excuse, right? It's like I feel flushed and my <clears throat> stomach feels weird. I yeah. must be having a good day. But your emotions were like, oh, you know, it's more a physical feeling than an emotion. Like, and then having a good date isn't an emotion either, right? So that one doesn't really like. Mm-hmm. That doesn't really track as like an emotion where it's like, yeah, you felt a way and you didn't, in whatever emotion you assigned that to, that wasn't your mental space. Like you felt anxious, so you went and drank or something like that. Like mm-hmm. drinking's not um, uh, not an emotion, right? Do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, but let's take someone. Like, someone... Just because you can't name anxiety doesn't mean you're not feeling anxiety, right? Just yeah, no, totally. Like the French people... They can't say the anxiety, but they feel anxiety, right? Like, Yeah, the English people can't say schadenfreude, but they do experience small pleasure at the misfortune of others. Totally. I'm with you. Yeah. You have to steal the word to describe it. But I think that that's the thing to me is with our – I feel as though there's a there's a, a greater cultural awareness of anxiety, let's say. Yeah. Over the past decade or whatever. Yeah. And I feel as though that might lead to experiencing more of it. Oh, no. And I think that people, because when people go to explain something, this is what I was trying to say to my sister, is like, you might buy into the hype more than you otherwise would. So if there's, instead of saying shy, of like, oh, someone's a shy person, they might say, oh, well, that's anxiety. Like, you're, you're dealing with anxiety there. If someone doesn't want to go out for the day, it's like, you're feeling anxiety. If someone's quiet, you're feeling no, anxious. Th- if I, someone's nervous, you're feeling anxious. No, I, if someone's I, thoughtful, you're no, feeling anxious. I, no, this is all, this is, this is just all a um, side effect of all of our take-for-granted, cushy, fucking first-world goddamn problems, right? It might be. Is like, the thing is, like, like, back in the day, like, it's not about the wording, right? Like, back in the day, like, people felt anxiety about, like, oh, I'm sure they felt anxiety about which 
woman they were going to marry or where they were going to date or whatever they were doing at the time. I'm sure they felt mm-hmm. anxiety, but like none of that anxiety compared to the idea of like not being able to eat and shit like that. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, whereas nowadays, most people, especially in, like your minor anxieties can become major anxieties or even if they're the same size anxiety, they would be anyway. Yeah. Like, um, uh, you you can think about smaller things when you don't have to worry about bigger things, right? But that doesn't mean yes. anyone. That doesn't mean anyone. Like, no one ever wanted to look bad in front of someone they thought like was cute ever in the history of the world ever. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, that's right. not like you know what I mean. That's not like a yeah. Like that's always <clears throat> been an embarrassing, anxious situation, and it's probably equally embarrassing and anxious for like everybody, right? Like. Yeah, I think it might be, my thought is that it might be more debilitating for someone if they think of themselves as anxious. Like, if you have an embarrassing moment and you don't think of yourself, like, one of the main words, you're like, oh, well, I have anxiety. Then that becomes categorized like that, and I think it might be more debilitating. No, no, because you would still feel that way. You're just, all all you're, like, I don't think giving things words gives them like more power i don't think that like i don't think that like i disagree uh, keep going. no I, I just don't think that like if someone wasn't aware of the the universal con like you they would still be aware of the concept of anxiousness they would still feel anxiousness they would still be anxious about the fact mm-hmm. that being anxious right now might lead them to be even more anxious later like just because they can't go yeah i'm anxious right now does it's nothing it's not i don't think so i am under the impression that well this is also ties back into the narrative thing but i feel like th- when we all will tell you think stories Luke about Skywalker ourselves. Skywalker wasn't anxious about blowing up the Death Star. Get out. Well, we'll all tell stories about ourselves, and I think that when you incorporate the the ways in which we want to be able to name things, the ways in which we like today, people say something like, "Oh, well, you can't confront it if you can't name it." The the all of the That's positives that that brings. I fought a bunch society. of bears. I never named them. Okay. I confronted them. You know. Yeah. In the woods. Yeah. Where? Uh, just out in the woods. Okay, by the Kennedy Center, I'm sure. No, if you if you weren't such a slob, Boxing. you'd know there are no bears, but you need to go further up into the mountains. I guess my thesis is that a concept like anxiety and trauma are mental concepts that are more predominant today in our society than they have been previously. Okay. I think that that has led to many positive outcomes, and... But the emphasis that I'm placing today in this conversation is on ways in which it might provide a negative outcome. And the case against the trauma plot is one example where they're using narrative and story in our fiction to describe this. So one of the things that I think anxiety becomes more prominent, one of the quotes that they have about trauma, is that the ambiguity is moral as well as medical. A soldier who commits war crimes can share the same diagnosis with his victims of PTSD, right? And then today, with the term growing ever more elastic, the same diagnosis can apply to a journalist who reported on that atrocity to descendants of the victims, intergenerational trauma, right? That's Mm -hmm. a thing that we now talk about, cross-generational trauma, and even to a historian studying the event a century later who may be a casualty of, quote, 
vicarious trauma. And I do think that the application of a term provides it more power. And if it, if it holds more prominence in your own mind, then it's more prominent. You know what I mean? Like if you interpret a set of events as one that was a challenge that you overcame versus one that is intractably part of you that you'll never escape. Those are two different ways of seeing one event. And I'm not saying that like one is more correct or wrong than the other, but I am wondering about the emergent outcomes down the line from this way of thinking. I have, all, I have, yeah, I have often thought that people that uh, say they've been through trauma are pussies too. So that's weird that you would said that first. But um, you no, always have I, a succinct <laughs> way of summarizing exactly what I'm trying to say. Well, I think that the, it gets to one of the problems I think a lot of things have. Right? It's like you know the idea of like, well, what you have to name things to confront them, but then by having them be a concept, mm. then that affects more people negatively. Isn't that like a psych? Isn't that a cycle? So you shouldn't name them because then that wouldn't cause problems for people. Like, well, what, what's, well I suppose what's this is a catch-22. Right? I don't know. Like, I suppose it's a catch-22. I mean, I think when the author continues on to say, how do you account for trauma's creep? Take your corners. Basically, like, here's all the arguments for it. Here's one argument. Modern life is inherently traumatic. No, we're just better at spotting it, having become more attentive to human suffering in all its gradations. Unless we're worse at um, being attentive to human suffering, more prone to perceive everything as injury. In a world infatuated with victimhood, has trauma emerged as a passport to status? The question itself might offend you. Perhaps it's grotesque to argue about the symbolic value attributed to suffering when so little restitution or remedy is available. And I think that that's part of this. It's this, like, trauma is insulated to be an identity feature, right? Not a belief. Trauma is something that happens to you. Drink, and drink, Drinking, drink. yeah. Okay, yeah. <laughs> and you're not supposed to be questioning that. And I'm not questioning, I don't mean to question anyone's trauma or the validity of what they themselves I feel. Jesse Smollett, I think that trauma might have been a little... Manufactured? Uh, manufactured. Fabricated? Potentially. No, but I do, I think that... In in a world where anxiety and trauma, like I think that trauma can, you do that can one more be. Time? What? I didn't mean to interrupt you. What this is the last joke I'll make. But if you could start that with in a world, but in like if you could do this in a as, world as like a as like a movie trailer and action. In a world where, what do you want? <laughs> I don't know. What did you say? In a world. I can't in remember. a world where trauma and whatever. Or you interrupted else. me, <laughs> and now I can't think of my uh, sentence. No, but I do. I think that. There is a tendency towards ascribing things to trauma and anxiety. And I don't know if that is the healthiest thing to do all the time. I think maybe we should have reevaluate the script. I mean, I'm thinking about this at a cultural level, but the author sticks more to fiction. But they bring up examples like Ted Lasso, Wanda Maximoff, Claire Underwood, or Fleabag. These characters who are defined by their trauma, and that's the main mechanism through which we're, we're supposed to relate to them, or it's the, a primary explanation for how they behave and function in the story. And I think art reflects life, reflects art, or whatever the hell. So I'm curious about the trade-offs well, so for this like trauma focus to, or anxiety focus. I think to your point, I think Feel. there's a 
I think there's an absolute chance that 20, 30 years from now, we'll look back at like some of uh, this kind of trauma-based character origin stuff mm -hmm. and, and potentially look at it in like poor taste. And, mm -hmm. and in a lot of the ways that like a lot of that stuff gets looked back on you look back and like it's like it's like oh man like the people look back now at like a lot of like the stuff they did about like you know like rain man type stuff it's like oh that's kind of actually just being like hey this this guy can't put his shoes on but he can do math is like kind of an offensive way to do like an asperger kid or whatever mm -hmm. right i think there's a chance we come back and be like wow we were really insensitive yeah yeah seeing your family murdered in front of you like not only doesn't it but actually shouldn't, and it's very unhealthy for that to then make you want to train to become a better murderer than the murderer of your parents. Like, this is a mm -hmm. bad message, and, like, actually trauma. These people should have gotten help. They shouldn't have, like, on all these people were enabler. You know what I mean? Like, I think you could absolutely, like, come back. Even the ones that tried to do it well, I could see that happening. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I think another thing that the author brings up that's more narrative focus or story is that trauma trumps, here we go, all other identities, drink, right. evacuates personality, Trump also drinks. remakes it in its own image. With the trauma plot, I think this is like the thesis of the argument, with the trauma plot, the logic goes, evoke the wound and we will believe that a body, a person has borne it. And... One of the arguments is that trauma makes a character less interesting. It has this like explanatory power that can reduce what a character is doing. And on some levels, this person just like likes the way Virginia Woolf writes or whatever and thinks that it's more interesting to not know the full black backstory, like fully well, fleshed out in of a my, character. In my defense of maybe not agreeing with his author on every point. Yeah, um, okay, of course. When you, when you said that she was talking about Virginia Woolf, I looked up Virginia Woolf. Great. And then I looked at like the like She's dead, popular four novels, and I'm like, I have never heard of any of these. So you never heard of any of them? I can't name them all the bot. <laughs> you can't top name of my them. Head. You can't name them right now. I. But if I you look them up, any of them. wait. This is ridiculous that you're going. You're going. I can't believe you don't know. Them. No, no, I but you've never Google heard it. of them. I mean, me not being able to like name a, bo a book by Virginia Woolf off the top of my yeah, head is definitely different. Yeah, I feel like that's different. not. I feel like you're gonna be like, oh well, I can Google something and recognize it. Mrs. Dalloway. Never heard of it. Is it Mrs. Doubtfire? I heard of that. Hmm. Look at you looking at these books you don't recognize. Get the fuck out of here with your fucking high and mighty bullshit. You don't know Virginia Woolf though. You've heard of Virginia Woolf. Yeah, sure. Because oh, okay, there's a, like some movie about that's like has Virginia Woolf. There's in the some title movie about it. Okay, or so don't here's. Mess with the, Fantastic Here's Mr. a more Fox relevant contentious point that No, no, perhaps... I don't want I would like you to apologize to me for this. I apologize for you for not <laughs> this, knowing who Virginia this, Woolf was. This slight of you being like I'm a dipshit for not knowing and then you looked it up and you didn't know any of them Mike, either. Mike, not being able to recognize the title of a book is different from not naming a book. You just said you couldn't recognize any of them. I just said Mrs. Dalloway. And then you looked at the rest it. and you didn't you recognize one of her books. Oh, yeah, like she's true. some literary icon that I'm supposed to like bow down to. Honestly though, she is a literary icon. That you can't name any of her books. Well guess so what? So just someone told you she's a literary icon and you just take their word for it? I mean, it's just a fact. I feel How like is it I've a fact? read Virginia Woolf in school. It's first of all, it can't be a fact because it's subjective. Second of all, like you don't remember. Let's talk about Ted Lasso because they <laughs> mentioned that. they mentioned Ted Lasso earlier, and then they bring it up and attack it. And I brought this up with my sister, and she was not having any of it. Okay. And I was like, "I'll have this fight with Mike." I mean, you've seen more Ted Lasso than you've read Virginia Woolf. So. Yeah, I'm sure that's true because I've seen 100 percent of Ted Lasso. And you've read oh, except for the Virginia Christmas Wolf. special. 
Okay, so this is what the author says about Ted Lasso. The second season revelation of Ted Lasso's child, spoiler alert, Ted Lasso's childhood trauma only reduces him. His peculiar, almost sinister buoyancy is revealed to be merely a coping mechanism. He opens up about his past to his therapist, just as another character does, blah, blah, blah. It happens that the traumatic incidents occurred on the same day. The braided revelations make familiar points about fathers, fallible, secrecy, bad, and banged resentments, also bad, but mostly explodes the creakiness of a plot mechanism, of trauma. Uh do you agree with that assessment I, of Ted Lasso? I hate that assessment of Ted Lasso. Okay. And I, Tell me why. And it does that thing that I don't... I bet you'll know the term for it. But if you know the term for it, then you ignored it. So I'm not really sure how this all goes. But I, I, people do it all the time in like political discourse and all this kind of stuff. They'll really quickly brush aside a very specific... Like, no, this is the crux of everything. And just assume mm -hmm. that that's true. And then it moves on like... I can't remember, but they said the word merely, went over a huge chunk, and then just everything, to, oh, it was merely a blah, 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 and just throws it away really quick. It's like, no, that's the crux is whether or not merely it is a coping mechanism. Yeah, but you, the whole framework is that we all agree that this was merely a framing mechanism. It's like, well, I think the entire conversation would be whether it's a framing mechanism or not, but you just, mm. like, you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, yeah. Oh, we're merely talking about states' rights, but you know, or whatever, like or whatever people. Yeah, say, you know, like, I don't know the term for what you're talking about. Perhaps there is one, but so you don't like it because you don't think it's merely a coping mechanism. Well, well, do you think that Ted Lasso's buoyancy is a coping mechanism for his spoiler right? That's the father's thing. suicide? We're about to have a conversation about whether it is. He's already like, no, it's a framing device as a coping mechanism. Like he's already decided all of that before he even makes the point. Yeah, yeah. Like, <laughs> Well, so do you think? So you disagree with this point? Well, I mean, that it's I, don't, like I don't. I don't know. Mechanism. Do we have a specific definition of what Basically, a coping but, mechanism? No, but like, but like the, the thought I would that argue Ted Lasso. I would argue that all of life is a coping mechanism. But well, continue. you didn't like season two as much as season one of Ted Lasso. Is it because that what we perceive to be in season one, and we talked about this in the episode we had about Ted Lasso, but I also just brought it up to you independently, that, like, Ted Lasso has this really peculiar, unique quality among protagonists in media right now that I can think of, I don't know, of, like, perpetual optimism that you wonder, it, it's part of the story and the reaction, I think, that you're meant to elicit, like, oh, is he, like, faking this? Is this real? Is this just a mask? Is he actually always so optimistic oh, it's a what's more device. going on it's merely a framing device the merely question of the entire mechanism. first season is merely a framing device according to this writer here's the question does the revel i would say that why he's like that is explained in season two where he talks about his father's suicide and how he says something like oh I just wonder if I only like made him feel more special, if I only told him about how much more he meant to me, et cetera, et cetera. Like if I could have had agency over my father's suicide. He says something to that effect. Yeah. Right? So to me, I think that this assessment of Ted Lasso is pretty interesting and provocative. But it's because it's kind of true. But it's under Because Ted Lasso is like he because part of that like sinister almost sinister buoyancy that he has or whatever they say um his peculiar almost sinister buoyancy is like the thing that i thought was a choice that he was making because he was willing to face the world optimistically like relentlessly optimistic was 
in fact, a coping mechanism from trauma of his past. You're right. That, that did happen. I'm glad that makes him a less interesting character for some reason for you. <laughs> but like, um, uh, well, but isn't but, it but the like, case that, but where but the whole it's removing the unknown no. and it's giving it a, a definition, and that definition is trauma. But this, but that's the question that the show's asking, right? Is because the clear answer that you think for the majority of episode of the first part is Ted's positivity and an effect on people, right? And so the first one, for basically everybody, it's good, right? Mm-hmm. Like, right, base, I think everyone's in a better place at the end of the first episode, I right? would assume. Like, but is it better for first Ted? First season? because no, Ted's having episode. a... Yeah, sorry, first... Oh, okay. Yeah, I just wasn't but, sure. But Ted's having a bad time, and everyone else is having a good time. And then, of course, you see us, like, his optimism, like, it turns the Nate bad and all this kind of stuff. And so the, uh-huh. the question, I mean, I think the question that the show is positing is, like, about the idea of, like, what does his positivity mean in a world where he's going to have to grapple with, like, no amount of niceness would have saved his father's life. Like, and yeah. I think that's the... You think that's where it will go? I think that's the, I think that's the rub. I think that's the Superman's dad having a heart attack, right? Yeah. Of, like... Not like, being swept if, away by a tornado? Yes. Like, in the original... I'm sure we talk about it, but in the original Superman, mm-hmm. why that's good is because his dad dies of a heart attack. And it's like, yeah. hey, Superman... You shoot me, it doesn't matter. Your dad can still die of a heart attack. So, like, I think that's where Ted Lasso is going, would be my hope. Is that yeah. just because you can't save your dad or maybe even Nate with your... Like, look at all the good... You're putting far more good in the world by being good than not by being good. I think is what the end product is going to be. But anyway, I'm glad he did get more boring as a character to you and this writer for some reason in the second season. I think... Not that he got more boring... Although the writer does seem to think that that's the, the, I think that it's like the mystery is removed for the for this author, and in fiction they think that there's a better way of presenting okay, characters. So if if we want to talk about the real problem with protagonists and shit uh-huh. and, and stuff, is this framing device that everything needs to be a fucking mystery? Just because they hadn't told us yet why Ted La- like that doesn't make what's the big mystery, right? Just because you don't know every fucking no, thing no, no. about a character. No, 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 but isn't it the case... Time. Well, this is... They go on to continue to say, like, the tyranny of backstory. And they say... Who's in that Stormtrooper uniform in the back of the episode of Mandalorian? Probably just a Stormtrooper. Shut the fuck up, everyone. It doesn't well, matter. they say that trauma has become synonymous with backstory. But the tyranny of backstory is itself a relatively recent phenomenon. And they talk about, like, oh, we don't always have backstory, blah, 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 whatever. I don't care about that part as much. But I do think that, like, has trauma become synonymous with backstory? But, I think in a way, the ex- like, the mental concept that we have laying around right now, like I said earlier, would be one of, like, trauma is a prominent one. So then people would be like, why is Ted Lasso like this? And then if you're in the author's room, you're like, why is he like this? Is it that he just, like, is making a choice or is this somehow contingent upon his past? And, like, he has to be this way. So, like, what could possibly explain I, this? And it's like, oh, a dad. Dead. I would like you to... It's uh, like Disney. We're going to reach into dead your, parent. Big, your big bag of words for this. Okay, okay? great. Uh, you already asked me to do that, and I came so up short. So I want to say that, like, we've already talked about drama mm-hmm. and trauma. Just as fun words, associations. Okay. So in and this now, word association, we're going to say llama. comedy and blank. Right? So we have... Uh, we have drama we, we have is to trauma. D- drama, it's either drama is to trauma. Okay. What comedy is to blank, or 
it's drama is to comedy what trauma is to blank. I don't know how you want to work that word out in your head, uh-huh. but what word is that? <laughs> well, I guess I would need to know if trauma is like backstory in a dramatic piece. So, so a I guess what element. I, yeah. So that's what I'm like, trying to say. Like what's the backstory like, of comedy? Like they're like, well, back trauma is just backstory. I mean, all story back front whatever is either drama or comedy, right? Like, mm-hmm. so it's either. It's all your backstory. You're either gonna have a traumatic backstory where your parents died, or you're gonna have a blank backstory where you won a billion dollars, right? Those no. are like the two. Like, you, but isn't this the problem that we're facing? And you have something like WandaVision. But all movies end with you either your parents died or you winning a billion. Dollars. Like everything is either a bad or a good thing. Like, but that's I think I know exactly the word you're are. looking for. Okay. So you have something like WandaVision, which is, let's say, a drama. I mean, it has comedy in it, but... That's the whole like, sentence. I'm looking for one word. Okay, yeah. <laughs> so her backstory is trauma. Yeah. And then let's take comedies, or in the, his example of Claire Underwood, or Tra- Maleficent, traumaties. whatever. Yeah. And then if you take comedies, like some of the most successful popular comedies today, like Fleabag, instant classic, or Ted Lasso, what are their backstories? The word you're looking for is trauma. And I think that's the thing is like trauma has become this all-encompassing explanation of characters' backstories. So like why is Fleabag so shut off from the world? Why is she a Fleabag? Why is she so like disparaging and rude and hilarious and funny or whatever? Like, oh, it's because she has trauma. But She's coping through. I mean, so like the the trauma backstory fits into like a lot of characters I mean, across that's the, that's Joseph drama or comedy. Are like like story circle, right? That's the inciting incident. The only thing that's happening now is that to our conversation sometime last year about media literacy, like. People's backstories are just trauma now because mm-hmm. we know enough about story that like Luke's uh, aunt and uncle don't have to get killed 20 minutes into the movie anymore. They just start the movie with like Jin or so like already being whoever, and then they flash back to what happened to her. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, I don't the, know who Jin or so is. Uh, the the rogue it. one, the rogue one chick. Oh, okay. Right? Question. Do you know what yeah. I mean? I don't remember yeah. exactly how that went. But, but well, you, yeah. you understand what it's I'm It's like saying? a different storytelling method. But, but at some something. point, something goes, like, wrong. Like, because mm-hmm. it's just like the Lord of the Rings, right? You'd be like, well, the backstory of Frodo isn't trauma, right? But it's like, there's no story to Frodo until the trauma begins. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, Yeah, but like, this is, well, this is what we talked about previously. But isn't that part of it where, like... It seems to me... Frodo lives nicely in the Shire. Not a great trilogy. Okay. (laughs) It seems to me constricting of our capacity as humans. Wow, I'm sounding very pretentious. (laughs) You always sound really pretentious. It Except seems, for when you're like, I know It seems Kennedy constricting Center, for us you. to think about trauma as the primary explanation for humans, for character, for story, for narrative, for plot. It always has been. Uh, I don't think that that's true. And if it, even if it were to be uh, the, the case... Odyssey? If it were to be the case... He lost that war. That was pretty traumatic. And then he has a bunch of traumatic shit happen to him. And then he gets home. Uh-huh. The worst trauma, I think someone's fucking his wife. He's got to murder all of them. You know what I mean? But why is that... Why uh, Why is what we're why looking for called getting, trauma? And why is it not called courage? Well, why isn't it called blurk a Because it's just words. It's just... It's the same thing. Call it courage. I don't know. Who gives a shit? Like, I don't understand. Because... 
Because, like, what I'm talking about is the mental concepts that people have are variable and they're relevant. And, and I think that's what I'm trying to get at here, partially, is, like, is is our world right now is the only are we only capable of seeing our world through trauma is that what we're saying and when i say we i mean you i mean the writer of this specific article and almost no one else yes probably <laughs> because i think the trauma is not the most effective way to look at our lives i suppose or even if it is it's like something to have in our toolbox but it's not the only thing that we should be making use of i think another thing the okay, problem so what's your all right yeah, uh, okay. what's my prescription? I'm just just pitch me. Give me a log line of a a log line of of, of, of your story of a of of the a, a backstory of a character that's not traumatic in any way. Okay. What's their motivation to do anything? Okay, Ted Ted Lasso exactly Ted Lasso. Okay. But no dead dad. Okay, so why is he so happy? Hmm? Why I don't know. Let's explore it. Tell me. Could right, there be another reason? Tell me right now. Why well, I don't is. need to like reinvent yes, the yes, you uh, like do. iconic character yes, you right do. in front of your if face. You're, if you're, why right now? No, because if your stance and the writer of this person would be like, we don't. There's no other way. Why won't anyone tell a story a different way? Tell a story a different way. Give me a motivational <laughs> thing for someone that's not trauma. You're so good at it. You know. You know what's wrong with every story. Just tell me right now. Give me one one backstory. Well, how about Gone Freaks? Gone in Hunter x Hunter, he has his dad leave him. Were any of these words real that you're saying right now? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> he, well, it's anime. All right. No. So his dad. dad so he like is raised by his aunt or whatever, and his uh, no dad Trauma. goes off into the world. Trauma. No, but he's not traumatized by it at all. Yeah, he is. He. No. He's just putting on a facade. He goes out searching for his dad, but it's not laden with this like. He just wants to find his dad, but, like, as a challenge. He thinks of it as, like, an optimistic challenge that he faces. And then on the way, when he has setbacks, he's like, oh, this is all part of my journey of growth or whatever. I mean, he's a kid. But I think that there's that version of a character is one that's more... It's not opt it's not optimistic or pessimistic. It's just viewing the world less as this as yourself as, like, a victim of history. You're not, like... Defeated. I think that there's a fatalism to trauma, which is part of my problem with it as like a primary concept well, that we use today. Like, like there's a fatalism to the entirety of the human condition in the way we discuss it, in the way we present it. And everything. I agree. Like, like I don't think what, what, what's your point. Like, but a fatalism to defeat is different than a fatalism to to triumph. And I think that those are totally different things. And I guess one of the things... Bruno's not watching the video feed. I just gave a very... Um, long... A, a look. A look at Ryan with that statement that I'm not entirely... I think he might have just done one of his weird word dump things on me. Again, I did. Where he just said a bunch of bullshit. But like, I made it myself. You said, I didn't have to read it from my okay. author quotes. All right, this no, is one of those word dump... Drake, he, word dump Here's bullshit. a quote. Here's another quote from some like person describing the effect of trauma in our world today. A, a guidebook to how to deal with your own trauma. Not this author. They're quoting someone. Is it, is it, it one says, page and just you just get it to sack up, bitch? Like, it says, don't bother to try to rid yourself of trauma altogether. Forget about happy endings. You will lose. Escaping trauma isn't unlike right, trying... We need more positivity like this fucking guy. <laughs> escaping trauma... Escaping trauma isn't unlike trying to swim out of a riptide. No, this person is saying that trauma is inescapable. There's no happy endings. You'll lose you're always going to be dealing with your trauma. Yeah, and I think, 
And I think that that speaks to something we've talked about before, which is our deeply cynical age. We're we're in a in an age of cynicism. And I mean, I'm pretty pessimism. young. I'm a young man, so I'm in an age of like just being young. And cool. Yeah, you're like the thing below Zoomer. Yeah. We haven't na- come up yeah, with a name for I'm it a, yet. Because they didn't school. know how prominent you yeah, are. Yeah, I don't even know just, how special you I are. I mean, I'm pretty excited for senior year. It's awesome. <laughs> anyway, I think that people don't. There's another thing. People don't want to let go of the idea that everybody's traumatized. And when when you look at your own life, do you think of it as traumatic? Do you yes. think of yourself as having being laden with trauma? Yes. Okay, what was it? I mean, I don't want to talk about it, okay. obviously, um, because it was so traumatic. But yeah, it's why like, I sometimes don't respond to your text message and stuff. It's, mm-hmm. just, it's too much. Yeah. Or maybe it's why you don't upload the pod Some, you know, as honestly, frequently as you honestly, could. Honestly, sometimes I wake up and it's just a bit too much for me. Yeah. No, and I think that like waking up and feeling like the world is a bit too much for you is a thing that you know what's really weird? I was kind of joking, but then as I was thinking, I was like, yeah, sometimes I just don't want to do it. (laughs) I agree. (laughs) No, I agree. But I think that, like, is that because you just really can't deal with the world? Or is it because, like, part of that to me is a practicing, is reinforcing from this mental concept that you have laying around you. And I think that people might be better off to consider other mental concepts instead of the one that's like oh i'm just an anxious person like i just can't go out today or oh i am just i have anxiety so i can't attend this meeting right now i have to call in sick to this meeting or i can't i'm i have adhd and i am too busy and i didn't think about this meeting and now i lost my job or whatever like to me I'm not saying that these things aren't real because they are. I suppose that there's this sort of um, like negative outcome to me when the one of the primary modes of you considering your own life is a negative one. Like anxiety is a negative mental model to utilize to explain yourself. Um, I guess so. But also, I am... Uh, I don't know. And this person also, by the way, the author, which is probably relevant, doesn't think that trauma has no place at all. But it's that it's like, a, it can be, it can reduce characters if it's not taken as like a launching off point. If it's the explanation like, oh, they're like this because blank, then that's in some way reducing people. Because I think that you could, anyone could go about their life thinking like, oh, that was trauma. Like for me in my own life, I was, I think that I've been in conversations before where people are like, well, that's like your family trauma that you're dealing with. And I'm like, oh, that's an interesting way to think about it. But I don't know if it's more true. The things that seemed to me impossibly difficult years ago are not impossibly difficult now. And maybe that's just, oh, there was trauma that you've overcome. But I don't really think of my life as being like massively traumatic. Hello? Mike's brokenly <laughs> laughing at me. I didn't. It's insane. I didn't. I didn't He's, He is hysterical right now, laughing at my trauma. <laughs> I did laugh at your trauma. Mike, I've dealt I with a lot that. in my life. You have no idea what I've dealt I with. Did. I'm not laughing at your trauma. As a privileged upper middle class 
person who went to college and has an education and a job. I have warmth. My nest got fixed and now it's not broken anymore. I have my apartment is heated (laughs) and all the lights are on. We're spending too much time with this lap. It was it was just a silly thing I thought when you said. well, you said I can't. You're like, like man, I can just do things now that I never thought were possible a few years ago, and I was like, I don't think I said that. Yeah, but go did. ahead, we'll yeah. check the tapes. Yeah, and, and my only thought was like, I was like, yeah, well, this new 5G is really good. Oh my god! <laughs> that I started laughing when you'd just been talking about your trials. So I didn't want to laugh, so that's why I covered my face to be nice to you in the audience, and then you called me out on it. Thank you so much. This is my trauma. Yeah, I think that people, to me, it's it's too often the explanation, I suppose. And but but that's up to people to decide for themselves. But I do believe that something like anxiety and trauma can overwhelm us and people can buy too much into the hype of it. I think that's where I'm taking this. And I saw parallels between anxiety, which is why I'm also throwing it in there. But I do think it's more acceptable to discuss it. We do it more frequently. And that leads to misattributing ourselves to negative qualities that we feel are inescapable. There's some essential part of us in our history that we'll never be inseparable from. And if you can utilize that to overcome it in some way, whatever that might be, then that's great. But if you feel like it's something that's keeping you down, maybe there are other mental models that you can make use of. I think that's basically all I have to say on the matter. Yeah, I mean, the other thing I would say... I don't think you were super enthused. You seem to be largely disagreeing. Is when I hear... A lot of times when I hear, like, this kind of stuff about, Mm -hmm. this is what you should do with your anxiety, and this is what you should do with your anxiety, or, you know, a bunch of other stuff, or your trauma, or this or that, or the other. Yeah. A lot of times, not all the times, Mm -hmm. a lot of times I hear it, and I just kind of think, why don't you shut the fuck up? I'm sure. And... And not, but like, I definitely if, don't mean. If it is true mm-hmm. that somehow our focus on uh, anxiety is giving us more anxiety, mm-hmm. then don't write a fucking article about it because then you're just putting more focus on anxiety, right? Mm-hmm. That's my problem. Like, oh, I know a lot of people feel anxious out there about the holidays. Yeah, a lot of people are. But like, yeah, you know what made them less anxious? Someone reminding them about how anxious they were about the holidays so that you could give them a gift guide to your sponsored Amazon links. You know what I mean? Just let people feel the way they want to feel. If they yeah. want help, you can be out there telling them there is help, but don't go out there publishing your unsolicited bullshit help for people's mental problems. That's my takeaway from this. How about that? <laughs> That's a reasonable takeaway, I suppose. I feel like that, that, had, too a, much? that had a possibility of turning into an attack on me, but... I think I it veered pretty clearly away from my I don't my think, take, atta- so I don't I think, think I attacked fine. you in any way. No, I agree. I Because that's not guy. what I would be saying, so. Yeah, I mean, or I... Or gal or dude, which I heard is, the new, is the new pronoun. Dude. Yeah. The, the and if dude. that's an offensive joke, Ryan said it? <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm still workshopping this, I suppose. But to me... But do you understand, like, the, the weird... Well, I think there's a really, like, I think that there's the bad version of this to me is, like, my grandma. She's like, oh, just get over it, get back to work on the farm. Or, like, pick yourself up by your emotional bootstraps. I think that there's, like, a bad rendition of this. But I do also, on the other side of that, 
But there's one, I feel like there's anxiety there's one, and are people being trapped in a loop of society's make? Like society and the prominence of the conversations we're having around anxiety or trauma, are they ensnaring us uh, in this inability to move past so, a con conceptualization that thing, is harming us? It's so simple though. That's that's the real problem. And it's what wrong it? about like the, the strap your boots back on, go to work thing. Mm -hmm. Not a great way to deal with it. But also the, hey everyone, let me, like, you'll see it all the time. Here are stressors you didn't even know you had. Like, what are mm -hmm. you doing, you fucking monsters? Do you know what I mean? Like, but Yeah, like, sure. Um, but, like, the, the real answer is it should just be like, hey, life's hard sometimes for everyone in different ways and for different things. And that's cool and that's fine for everyone. If you feel that way, we all, we all got together as a people and said it's totally cool. Go get professional help if you feel mentally weird. We're not going to try and guess what's wrong with you. We're not mm -hmm. going to tell you what things you might think. Just go get some help. And if you're, and here's, yeah. and here's ten, and here's ten reasons why not getting help will make you feel worse. Uh -huh. You know what I mean, or whatever the fuck. <laughs> ten reasons do. why help getting help will make you feel better, yeah. and ten ways it'll make you feel worse. Yeah, like fuck them. I don't know. You know, another thing that I don't know why I'm making this point now, but I'm wondering if I also partially want to say that part of my problem with this is that it internalizes something that it should be kept external. Yes. I think because that's something that strikes me is like when people are worried about um, when people are feeling uh, distrustful of like elites or something or when people are feeling anxious about their finances. It's like, oh, it's because yeah. I'm like I didn't try hard enough in school and I didn't get in a good enough job. Yes. Or it's like, no, it's because your job you work at, like the boss, the capitalists are like making profits off of your unpaid and, and labor. I think, I think that's my problem. Is, <laughs> or whatever. So it's, it's like it's, an it's, external it's, it's, thing. It's, it's, it's a lot of stuff though, it is a lot of like listicles and shit like that. I don't have a problem like, and I think it's good. I think it's the same with a lot of like, um, you know, a lot of like abuse stuff and all that kind of, I think people getting out there if they feel comfortable and sharing their experiences and people backing up being like, hey man, I used to get really anxious about this. It's good because stuff like mm -hmm. that does two things. One, it's a personal experience from someone and then it's like it's actual real world advice that actually helped this person do something and it also is just another voice out there being like yeah i was awkward in this situation and if enough mm -hmm. people get out there and then everyone realizes everyone's awkward mm -hmm. that makes the entire situation just less awkward for everyone in general if everyone knows it's an awkward situation right whereas yeah. like these kind of things for, like first of all i don't like the idea of people just giving quasi medical advice to people and mm -hmm. like pretending like they're better. Oh, well, let me tell you the 10 you've used all 10 of these ways to unstretch. Like fuck <laughs> off. It. Fuck you. You know You're what really I mean? You're taking a shot at BuzzFeed or whatever right now. <laughs> and uh well, I hate the internet. And uh <laughs> and also it it has a real like inevitability. Yes, in, like, this is what I'm saying. And thing about it which which I which I can agree with, but yes. that just but this attack is very specifically. Mm -hmm. And the reason I feel like and we're on agreement at this point, is very specifically in the hypocrisy of writing a piece of media mm -hmm. scornful about the highlighting of the thing in that media that you are then highlighting in your piece of media, right? Well, but I do think that if you're criticizing something, I then, like, you do talk about it. So I guess there's that. That's the only defense I could offer. But if my... So there's a difference between... Like, do you feel like I would be adding a, to trauma if, or anxiety so by if talking I was writing about this an article, If I was writing an article about, um, about like, I think there's too much, like, 
porn, right? And I read an article okay. about porn. I wouldn't make the ar- the argument, hey man, um, you're. Uh, I think you're bringing too much awareness to to this. And he's like, oh, my argument isn't there's too much awareness of porn. My argument is that there's too much porn. Mm. But if your argument is, hey, there's too much awareness of porn, and you write an article about how there's too much, you contributed to their, like, if you're, if it was like, there's too many pictures of dicks in this magazine, my article is explicitly has more dicks in it. You've added to the number of dicks in this magazine. You haven't helped with the problem, right? Like, Yeah. Yeah, I see that. Like, <laughs> I think... Um, uh, I'm also recalling one a YouTube channel that I watch, which the guy talks about trauma all the time, but he basically reviews MCU and like he reviews comic book things. Yeah, and he like just goes through every like a lot of his um the thumbnails will just say like trauma over the like every character, and then it's really funny because I got a book from um or I got the book that he references all the time for Christmas, so I do think that there's just like. It's a lens that people use to examine a lot of stuff, and I think that it might be overdone, which kind of gets at it, what you're it, saying it, it, it in is a way. Very interesting, and if we de-emphasized it, then maybe we wouldn't find ourselves like sub- subsumed by trauma. Yeah, but I, I, I think, I think in that situation, that's not a trauma-specific thing. That's like a, it's like an internet-specific thing. Like it's the, it's the cinema sins thing, right? You've watched a few of them, and you're like, oh, uh, what? Why? You know, and like. I've noticed that with other things that are like kind of similar where like I was watching this one and it's this guy breaking down like um, like these different like Asian trope uh, like about accents and stuff, who's doing good accents and stuff and this is bad because this is Mandarin's and can't, well, this is wrong, this is right. And mm-hmm. at a certain point, and it's very interesting until you get like a little too much into it, it's like, well, you can't just look at every fuck. you're going to look at every movie like this. Mm-hmm. This is a crazy way to look at every movie. This was an interesting way to look at like Shang-Chi yeah. as in comparison to like a movie about Chinese people they did like 30 years ago. Mm. That was an interesting take. You're going to do Iron Man. Are there any Asian people in Iron Man 2? How have you looked at Iron Man 2 through the lens of how it portrays Asian people? I yeah. don't know. I don't know how you could do that. But Yeah. Well, I mean, I think that's the thing that we face where when you have the ham, It's like what I said earlier about the identity hammer. Here we go all over again. But when you have the identity hammer, everything is an identity nail. I feel like it's the same thing where when you have an anxiety diagnosis or prescription for some sort of drug, then like everything in your life becomes part of your anxiety. And like, you can think of that. I think you could perceive it as anxiety. Like, oh, I'm uncomfortable in this circumstance because like, I have anxiety. I'm nervous talking, I have anxiety. I'm quiet right now, it's because I'm anxious. Or like, are you just trying to chill? But, but again, here's here's the other thing too, and I think going way back to my initial thing, is like, and that's where actions matter, right? Is because like, if someone's like, hey, what's wrong? Why are you acting weird in this situation? Someone's like, oh, I have, and all there's like, it's like, oh, well, I have this thing. Oh, okay. It's whatever, you know? Mm-hmm. But like, would you generally feel like you'd hear, like, depending, assuming this is someone you know well and not like some, yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. obviously, like, like, you know, Ryan, what's going on? But like, uh, you'd be like, oh, what's the thing? Oh, it's this thing. It's like, oh, you okay? It's like, yeah, usually I try and do this, but it's not working right now or something. But just mm-hmm. being like, Hey, what's what's going on? So you okay? It's like, no, I just have this thing. It's like, oh, yeah, I'm just gonna be in the corner having it. It's like, all right, I guess. But like, or I, because no, but that's the thing. No one uses that shit as an excuse to stay in the corner. They use it as an excuse to leave early or like to cut in line or some shit. Like, you know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. oh, hey guys, um, can I sit in the front seat? Because sometimes I get a little nauseous in the back. It's like, mm-hmm. uh, 
did you take some Dramamine before we came, or you just figured you get the fucking front seat? Like, do you know what I mean? Like, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I know it's a, it's a legitimate question. I do know what you mean. <laughs> yeah, I think that those physical sensations and stuff. Um, I That's think a like really actual good, car sickness so clear, is that difficult is, to. That is a great example, though. Translate. Yeah. I think that. Oh, you think no, it's I the think exact it is because like there are things to be done about car sickness, and if you're like just a road yeah, trip yeah. with friends, and your answer is I get car sick, so I get the front, and it's I not agree. like, hey guys, I took some stuff, but I think it'd be best if I just sat up front. It's like, yeah. no, I'm just great in the front. Fuck you, guys. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. There's a no. difference. There's a di- you still love yes. to sit in the front because, but there's a difference of which one of those people I'd rather be friends with, right? Like <laughs> I don't know. Like, yeah, I think that a through line I'm seeing between that example and the rest of the convo is also, yeah, like are you already defeated by whatever you're dealing with? And I think that's the thing. But, to and me. again, like, it's are fine. you defeated by your car sickness? And if you're saying like, oh, anytime I'm in a car, I have to be in the front, otherwise, like, we're doomed. Yeah, it's fine. Or to... every time I'm attending a meeting, like, I'm gonna be five minutes late. It's like, but why? It's fu- but that's why? the thing, right? That's the whole thing. Like, everyone lost track of the problem. With everyone lost track with the participation trophy, and then they lost track of why it's bad. Like, like the whole point of the participation trophy. Okay. What's the idea that... Throw back to when this was about Toronto. Well, no, that everyone's supposed to give 100%. Uh And then Mm. both these kid teams tried really hard, and the Mm. one team got a trophy, and the other team didn't. It's like, well, they both tried really hard. Yeah. So let's give everyone participation trophies, because they're all trying really hard. Mm. But the participation trophy has to be based on the contract of everyone giving it their best, right? Uh Uh-huh. So I have no problem giving you the participation trophy and letting you have the front seat. If you were doing your best to make this ride as good for everyone as the guy who brought the snacks, the mm. other person who made sure they washed their feet, like you know, like like you tried your best, you didn't. It's fine, but I don't want the participation trophy to go to the kid that didn't come to any of the practices. And then yeah. he went, and then at the end of the season, he was like, was just like, yeah, but I had a, it's like you didn't participate, you didn't try, you didn't give a hundred percent. If you were there because mm. you were sick, that's fine. You try. You get you give a hundred percent. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you I got do anxiety. Know what you, mean. you just because you give a hundred percent, half of the teams lose every game. Mm. It's something that everyone always fails to wrap their mind around. Mm. Is that every single game, half of the teams lose? Right. I do think about that sometimes. Right. Like that's a fact. But like winning's so important. But you, like someone had you know you know what I mean like. But so there's nothing wrong with losing. But yeah. there's something wrong with, like, it's like, I can't overcome my anxiety. That's one thing, mm-hmm. right? But if it's just like, you know what? It's, just, it's one thing if the if a player's like, man, my leg's bad, can't go, right? And it's like, okay. Mm-hmm. Another thing if a player's like, my leg's bad, I could probably rehab it. But other team's a lot better than us, so fucking I'm not playing next week. There's a big difference, right? Like, you didn't even try, buddy. Like, or whatever, like. Yeah, I mean, and I think that that can fall into the same trap about being from if you're looking at it too cynically, like, oh, that's like a bootstrappy kind of thing again. But I really do think that there's but it's something not a here because I'm admitting the fact that guess what? Even if everyone gives 100, percent 50 percent failure rate, right? Like, do you know what I mean? Like in this game scenario, right? Like you yeah. have to accept that there's a 50 percent failure rate, and then you can be okay with people trying their best. But like when we when we tie in the idea of trying and, and succeeding 
in any way being connected in our modern society, mm -hmm. which we do with everything, which I think is one of the biggest flaws we have right now, uh, uh, it, just in people's like concepts of most anything. Uh, but yeah, like trying and succeed, like a lot of people try really hard and fail, and some people don't try at all and succeed. Do you know what I mean? Like so, like mm -hmm. so, I think there's like there's a bit of that going on with it too. I guess for me, in just the idea of like. No, it's not about whether you like, like beat your mental stuff or whatever, or how big your mental stuff is. To you. It's 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 whether you're like letting it win. You know what I mean? Are you giving out in the yeah. maybe it's the varsity squad? Maybe maybe you've got varsity depression and you're on the JV and there's nothing you can fucking do mm. about it. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, I mean that's the thing is like I I think that this is a prescription is difficult to say like oh everyone should do this because I don't think that there's a one size fits all here for sure. I think that there is a way in which this kind of thing can become internalized and it's sort of like with um like race or class or gender with with any of these things as lenses to view society like um white fragility is a book right that came out where basically this author's I can't remember her name right now it's probably Virginia Woolf you know what I mean no um anyway no she came out with this book called White Fragility and Virginia Woolf did no I'm well uh, whoever uh I really shouldn't you know she's her name. dead Ryan. Virginia Woolf did die. She's a very famous writer of many books She's, you and I can both name. Yeah, but we wouldn't need to talk about it right now because it's off topic. But, no, so she, oh, I think her name's Robin D'Angelo. And she was talking about how it's like, oh, well, white people are always thinking about race. Every interaction between people of different racialized groups are going to be laden with this, like, history and burden of racism. And a take from one of my favorite political commentators who actually also tragically died a, like, a year or two ago, he said, he's like, the problem with this is that if you use this model to think about race relations in our country, then you could never be friends with anyone of a different racialized group without only ever viewing your, like, your night out drinking as this like racialized dynamic, which are both inescapably tied from the origins of like the 1619 origins of this country well, of like slavery and not. And that's just not the way that every person is always interacting with every other person in our society. And I think that that's kind of um, maybe like a parallel to viewing, like viewing your own internal life as one laden with trauma or laden with anxiety is you could become like with you using that as a primary mode of understanding yourself then you might be missing out like it's not that it's not true because if you're viewing it through like that lens and that that's what you're seeing but you might be able to see something else Ryan, i think that's a great point that's and my last point. I think that's a good point because I have to piss, <laughs> as the French would say, like a racehorse. Okay. Uh, I wonder, do, do racehorses pee a lot? Is that like a... I, I use that expression all the time and I have no idea where, what it's from or if it's true. Mm -hmm. Piss like a racehorse? I Something like that. It's because they drink a lot of water? Um, yeah. Oh, okay. I think. For steroids. Yeah, steroids oh, okay. for sure. All right. Anyway, well, thoughts, Mike? Well, no, Concerns? I, 
No, I just I thought we'd break down the merch. No, yeah, we can it, merch it. It's up. been a very long time. I, I I forgot to bring a notepad about halfway through. I realized. Oh, okay. But, I forgot to notice. And that. I wrote. I had a great idea. Mm-hmm. And I forgot what it was. Of course. So instead, I'm going to pitch the idea of we got merch's first ever uh, game. Okay. So have, like a tabletop card game. Oh my god. It's, it's a word association game, uh, where. You have to come up, fill up, much like we did today, uh, you have to come up, you know, it's three trauma, words, and you have trauma. to come up with a fourth word. So what it is, is there's, there's everyone's dealt cards, and you get three cards and some Scrabble pieces, mm-hmm. and you're given four words. You have to lay them out in an order, uh, and then whoever can have the most Scrabble words uh, score for the their word mm. that fills in. Wins. To associate? I think that one. was pretty simple, and I explained it really well. But if yeah. anyone wants to email uh, 1-800-WE-GOT-MERCH at gmail.com, and just write down what you think the rules of this game are. Mm-hmm. And then, That's like, really strong, I'll tell yeah. next week, I'll tell people who the winner that was the closest to what the rules we made up for the game last week uh-huh. Uh-huh. when we weren't recording were. Strong idea. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was going to have a proposition that in the year 2022, we should each just come up with one merchandise idea and then present them at the end as some sort of like, you know, head to head competition. Well, but I didn't happen to think of any, so maybe I'll just leave this You could have told me something that would have been nice to know all last year. Also, I I would like to check the tape. You might have said 2021. Oh. You clown. You clown. But with what that, year is it? I'll apologize. Welcome to 2022, people. Get ready for more just like this. Whoop, whoop. That's okay. the sound of police. Bye-bye. Mike's got a pee. Ta-ta. Like a racehorse. Like a racehorse. Like a bantha. Shut up.